0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the discussion phase. This is our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to
1: talk about the games we love.
0: As always, I'm your host, Brady. I'm Matthew. And I'm John. And on today's episode, we've got the power. We've got the power. That's right. We are talking about our favorite asymmetric powers and abilities in board games. So stay tuned and buckle up.
1: I would just like to apologize to anybody whose ears were, were harmed in
0: my yeah. shrieking. Should have had a little volume check right there.
1: Weren't yeah. you in an acapella group in college? I was. You could go look it up on YouTube. Wow. I, I was so there. You There's had good, the power. I did. I did. We we sang some classics like uh, Poison, Billy Jean. Uh, it was a good mashup. We sang Lock Lomond. That's another good one. Wow. Um, I'll have to show you the video sometimes. It's pretty. I'll watch them every once in a while because it's pretty good.
0: Alrighty, boys. Well, we've kind of gotten back into the swing of things a little bit, back on a normal mm-hmm. schedule, except for Jacob, who's kind of off sailing away. Um, but you, the three of us got in uh, the Dwellings of Elder, Eldervale. Eldervale. Mm-hmm. I get that one, and the other one can yeah. all the time. So
2: new Kickstarter, well, I guess on Game Found is Andromeda's Edge, which is um, kind of a sequel, a spiritual sequel mm-hmm. to uh, dwellings of Eldervel, the same designer. Um, so we're like, we need to check this game out. Well, not check it out as much as we need to get it back to the table. Yeah. Uh, we this, played it once. This twice, is, maybe. Yeah. Because this is one of the earlier games that I had originally kickstarted. And I've I probably had this copy for at least two years, if not longer. Probably longer. Um, and we've only played it once, maybe twice before. Uh, and John, you were looking at potentially backing Andromeda's Edge. And I was like, well, before we drop money on another Kickstarter, another project, something that's going to be years in the waiting. Uh, let's at least play a game that is probably going to have a lot of similarities or at least a, a feeling in the play style yeah. and see what we think of it.
1: And and I really enjoyed um, Dwellings. Again, we were chatting a little bit in Discord earlier um, this week just about some of the things we liked, some of the things we didn't like. Um, I think it's a game that if we were to play consistently, first off, I think the playtime uh, was pretty good for the amount of game that there is. But um, I just had a fun time playing it. Like I had a fun exploring the different locations and training my different units and fighting the different monsters um so i think there's a lot of good stuff in it but i don't think it has the punch of some of the other heavy hitters we've been getting to the table recently that really there's a amalgamation of all these different um different what is it called like mechanisms right yeah and and it's a cohesive game like i don't think it's flimsy but it wasn't super exciting like i had a good time playing but it's not like i'm I'm hankering to go play, so I can go experience this part of it. I felt like I kind of got to do a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, there's not, there's not a whole lot of tension in the game. I feel like if someone kind of, you know, blocks an area that I need to go to, just fight them. Yeah, you can just kind of go in, roll random dice to determine the winner, and then you get the power anyway. So it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah.
2: Well, for um, those who may not know, the premises of Drawings of Eldritch Vale. El- El- at its core is a worker placement tableau builder. Yep. Um, but it's, it's, presented in this kind of big fantasy world of um, it kind of gives you this feeling. It's like, Oh, this is going to be an area control game. Some dudes on the map come kind of fighting mm-hmm. type thing, mm-hmm. which it's really race. not. Um, it's essentially, it's a, it's a worker placement game where the worker placement locations are individual hexes, which are kind of uh, different land types or different dwelling types that are on the board. And, um, There's ones that are going to be in every game and they're kind of randomly assembled. And those are your worker placement spots and you take your workers and you place them on a space, take that respective action. Uh, And then the subsequent actions that you take have to be adjacent to the one you started with. So part of you, there is some strategy of like, where do I start and how do I chain my actions together? Which I think is a little bit of, it's not quite as much programming, but it does have that little bit of a vibe. How am I going to take my turns, right? To be most efficient, but then obviously you can't go where someone else is unless you're uh, causing um, combat. combat or conflict. Um, but the the one thing I do think is really interesting in the game, in which I every time I see it in a game it gets me excited a little bit, is there is no set turn or mm-hmm. necessarily round structure. We just continue taking turns, but you choose when you do what's called a recall action, where you like, hey, either I'm out of workers or I want to. I don't want to place any more workers because your two options on your turn is place a worker of some type, a unit or bring them back. And so you can bring them back. And when you do that, you can assign them to cards, kind of these adventure cards that you acquired through exploration. And you can assign them to those cards to activate uh, resource generation, abilities, conversions, different things in the game. And then they all come back to your reserve to be placed out again on your next turn. So it keeps the game flowing, right? There's not a part of the game where, okay, we have to wait for everyone to pass before we can all do a reset. Mm -hmm. You do that strategically when you need to, or you decide to. Um, in that game. So that's what it, the game is at its premises, at its premise. But I, this game gives me a little bit, although I think it's much better, it also gives me a little bit of Merchant's Cove vibe because uh, it's not as quite asymmetric as a Merchant's Cove, but this is a game where it's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. I kind of gave a little synopsis there on our Discord, my thoughts about it. I, I really, the idea and the premise, if you were to give me the elevator pitch of this game, I was like, this is awesome. This is epic. Sign me up. Um, but i never feel like it it really does any of those things great right sure. cuz whenever we think about what games are we going to get to the table what games are we going to get played uh we usually like okay what are we feeling tonight and we'll say we're feeling this blank type of game um and dwellings is one of those has a bunch of different systems mechanics in it but i don't think any of those are stand out enough to where it's going to be this is that blank type game we're going to get to the table this is if we're working worker placement, this is what we're going for. If we're wanting uh, engine building, this is what we're going for. If we're wanting a point salad uh, kind of tableau game, this is what we're going for, all right? Um, and to me, and never quite the the whole was never equal to the sum of its parts. I think that's the way you say it, right? Um, does that make sense mm-hmm. when I say it? Um, yeah. And th- that's what it kind of felt like to me. And almost feels like a little bit of that anachrony syndrome when we talked about before of games that kind of get in its own way. Yeah. It's a little little bit bit
0: of a smaller scale than Anachrony, but I do kind of feel that like it almost seems like it's a light game in play, but not a light game in like execution. Yeah. Like this is, this is, I always kind of felt the same
2: thing. It's in a weird space to where this is uh, a game that you could, it's not a heavy game, right? But it's a game that I guess it kind of in weight or in concept. What we're doing is a lighter to mid light Mm -hmm. kind of concept, but in execution when you're actually having to put all these pieces together and all these components and little systems, three
0: different boards going on. There's like the main board, there's the tracks board, board, and then there's the sort of tableau cardy board thing going on over there. Yeah. The amount of
2: stuff in the game, I would say it, it is for mid to heavyweight gamers, but the actual like in-depth depth to the mechanics and the systems don't support everything which, the game is wanting to do. Which I think
1: is, there's a room for a game like that in, in someone's collection. right? If we had less games that we, we played or wanted to play, or even if we were cooler with playing lighter games. I feel like we don't play a lot of lighter games. Not that this is a light game. But it's but still like a saying-
2: two-hour experience for just 3 players. Like the game advertises as like 40 minutes per
1: player. I feel like we could have cut the time down a little bit once we were more familiar with the rules. Um cuz the turns are pretty snappy, I feel like overall. Um it's it's a fun little like sandbox to play in, right, though with the different cards you can kind of decide how you want to manipulate the element tracks and other things like that, but to your point, I don't think there's one like I couldn't tell you what piece of that game stands out to me. It's kind of like all of it together made it a fun experience, but there's nothing that was like man, I really loved how this worked, right? Because like even the different way the workers interact with the tableau you build, isn't that exciting, right? It's usually gain this resource, right? Or mm-hmm. you can buy a card that lets you move an extra space or you get a resource when you go to a certain location. And I don't want to discount the game because we've only played it twice, right? And and this was substantially better than our last play. And this is a game I would, I would be down to play every once in a while. But um, similar to kind of Vindication, I feel like promised a lot with the theme and the appeal or the look of the game when in reality it was just a pretty euro Yeah,
0: I was gonna say the same thing. It has that vindication, um like misguidance where it like has that epic box cover. The pieces are amazing looking. There's mm-hmm. monsters all over the board. And then it's just more or less this resource management game and you're like, I don't know. Which
2: I, I love resource management games, mm-hmm. right? Um but in this game it almost kind of feels um what's the best way to say it? there's not a sense of progression or scale yeah, cuz yeah. what i my what i did on my last turn was the same thing i was doing on my very first turn it's just a matter of okay the game is ending this round
1: and i felt like i got and you didn't upgrade any of your workers to the uh like the warrior or the wizard or the so they're essentially dragon which give you a little bit more workers, flexibility yeah. but i felt like with some of the cards that i got i gave some of my characters a, a little bit of a different ability but you're right at the end of the day you really want to place your people out build dwellings that's where you'll score the majority of your points or try to buy cards right it's kind of those yeah few point generators
2: like the action i was i was doing at the end of the game wasn't like more unique or wasn't more i was well i could say it's more significant because things kind of become more valuable the more you focus on certain essentially elements in the game but it didn't it never felt like if this was a strategy that I was building up to because honestly to play the game efficiently, this is really kind of an efficiency game at the mm-hmm. end, because there's a dynamic in uh, game status where either someone has built all their dwellings, which essentially when you've claimed a space on the board, essentially what that is, or when all the exploration tiles have been added to the board, that ends the game, uh, which usually I think it, it will probably be most of the time how the game ends because that one action is also how you get tableau cards and, um, And so that's the one thing that kind of seemed weird. The thing that triggers the end of the game is also the thing that you need to get early to build your... Because you're not really getting necessarily a powerful action engine as much as you're getting an engine of victory points. Right. Because every time you gain a card of a specific element, you go up on that track, which means that card and all future cards and previous cards are now worth more. Every time you build a dwelling or claim an elemental tile, you go up on that track. Um, So they are scaled
0: that way. I don't know. Does that... You feel that way, Brady? Um, I kind of feel the same way with John, but maybe a little opposite. Like, there's nothing in this game that I really like despise, except for the combat. Combat <laughs> is atrocious, but then there's there's also nothing that I like love about the game. Yeah. Even the asymmetric factions are kind of just mildly so. Yeah, but and they look so cool. Like each yeah. one of them look. Like, the artwork looks amazing. You can really tell these, like, or can imagine there's, like, this story behind it. But then it's just, like,
2: so yeah. But there are people who really like it. I know the people in the Discord like it. I'm pretty sure I made the Dice Towers top 100. I believe I saw it on there. It's definitely my like
1: two. It's number
2: one, which for the
1: past that two years. That blows my mind. And so I definitely think. Merchant's it, Cove is his number three, right? Like he loves the slider. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so I think this game is definitely getting a little bit of the Dice Tower uh, effect, but the same way of Ark, Nova, Ark Nova does. Um, it's also, it, I mean, a lot of times we talk about a game, if it's worth 40, it's worth 40 whatever X amount of money, if it's a good game, this is not a cheap game to get. Uh, even back pre-pandemic prices, it was still not a cheap game to get. And I don't know if it if it, if it, it gives you the experience. Uh, like, even though I don't love the game, I do think like the mechanics and wayfarers of the South Tigris are really interesting. To a certain degree, you're building a tableau, you're building an engine. And for bang for your buck, I feel like you get more engaging, interesting mechanisms out of a Tigris and the Euphrates. I mean, wayfarers... Of the Tigris, right? Am I saying that correct, John?
1: Wayfarers of the South. South
2: Tigris. I, <laughs> I feel like you get more out of that little box, right? Versus this huge, giant, $150, $200 game um, that just kind of meddles, um, meddling in different mechanics. Um, so, I mean, this, I could definitely see some people, be, this, is our, this gives us a big grandiose scope versus some um, TI4 or something else like that not in that of length and, or the depth, but it's like this is a, a big, literally a big game on the table. And, and you can kind of get immersed in that scope and you have different races or factors that have slightly different unique abilities on the game. It's one of those games to where it's, it's not a game that I'm going to say is bad or that I wouldn't recommend to somebody, but it it just doesn't stand out to where of all the games we have in our collections, it doesn't kind of push itself out in any unique way to where I would pick this over another game.
0: And ultimately... We played this game to decide whether John should back Andromeda's Edge and he refrained, which is I did decide su- not to. Surprising. And, and the that main, doesn't tell you how we felt about the game.
1: The main reason too though is is you guys don't like space as much as you like fantasy. So if you didn't weren't super hot about the fantasy version of the game, the space one, well, even if it improved on certain aspects, I feel like even just the change in theme and even the graphic direction of I'm looking at some of the board is a little busier. That'd be a a larger stumbling block.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely, I enjoy space, but I enjoy more, I guess, grounded versus space fantasy. It is a,
1: it's a top 150, it's 146 on the top 100, but um, that's kind of my segue to big news that happened in the board game world this past week. Where's my alarm button? We had the number one game, I think it was for six years running, six years running, something pretty close to it. Dethroned. Yeah, I'm Um, calling,
2: I'm calling shenanigans. A and little bit of,
1: of shenanigans. So for those of you who didn't know, Brass Birmingham has taken over the number one spot on the top 100 for Congratulations, BGG. Congratulations, boys. It yeah. was
0: number one on our list. which were... we got it to number one on BGG. Hey, we
1: got it right. Definitely are. But the, th- the crazy thing is Gloomhaven is now down to number three. So... Um, Pandemic Legacy Season One has taken the second spot. What has Um, happened? It's so right now. It's a lot of review bombing, right? So if you go to Gloomhaven's page, you can scroll through pages of one votes, one votes, one votes, one votes with no comments, right? So people are are purposefully trying to manipulate the system to make their game better because their identity is tied to where their favorite game's ranking is in BGG, and you can see the same thing on Brass Birmingham. But
0: why would that happen, like? Now, right now right now
1: yeah because uh, the change naturally happened like brass i think naturally ha- took over the first place but now people are wanting to tank gloomhaven even more and i actually saw what so were you saying some people because with
2: frosthaven they were liking frosthaven yeah some betters. people were
1: adjusting their gloomhaven scores down to like an eight or a nine because they think frosthaven is just better they can only right? have
2: one ten or something um, like that they can't huh. both be tens if one is better
1: right so but also okay. the, the interesting thing too, and I saw this post on one of the which Facebook gives, which groups. Which does
2: gives me hyped for Frosthaven though.
1: One of the Facebook groups, I mean, it was um, by, I think the, what's it, Eric Martin, W. Eric Martin. He's on yeah. BG, uh, Board Game Geek, but it was basically a uh, trailing like six months of how many one votes were on Brass Birmingham. And it was like uh, July, two, three, three, like four, Two and then it was last this last month in February it was like ninety six so like people are doing the same thing to brass and it's it's stupid
0: so it, they're
2: essentially having a, a gamers kind of like war ranking war right now someone's just
1: gonna create a bunch of bots eventually you know and yeah you know,
0: I
2: think I don't know how they would implement it I don't know how board game geek would do it probably they don't have the 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 funding to get a system like this in place but essentially what um, rotten tomato rotten does. tomatoes does is they you can go on there because they have the critics ratings and critics scores but Then they have the audience, but to prevent review bombing, which um, I, I do think people have a right to overhype a game and then undersell a game and have your own opinion. But if it false falsely kind of, uh, or if you never played the game, right, if you're sure. just, if you're putting reviews on something that you've never played, it's a whole nother thing or reviewing a movie that you've never watched just so that you can financially um, ruin it or have some negative impact on it. So I don't, I don't know because Rotten Tomato, they put where you have to authenticate or show a picture of your ticket stub or something like that to be able to actually post review about the movie. I don't know how they would implement that with a board game, because um, board games what they have their little. You have to take a to our, live video. They did talk of about. I was, the whole thing.
1: I was watching. Uh, there was a comment on. Effectively, they made a post about it being the number one game, and they made a video about do ratings even matter. And someone's comments were you know well why can't we have like a certified like rotten tomato like a certified reviewer score and this but the thing is now ratings
2: they do have that on board game atlas board game atlas they're trying to kind of compete with board game geek a little bit and they have verified they have ratings you can double check and pull it up but they have ratings that are uh submitted by actual people in the community space that are reviewers um people on YouTube, like different, different so kind of influencers that were actually putting their reviews as being a little bit more reliable, but obviously that's not going to give you the grand scope um, of the games. And I don't know if it's going to get starts getting too complex. If you have like the critics, the actually influent board game influence and in community scores versus the general mass audience, but then how do you verify those as well? Maybe but we, it is, I think it is important because it it, it is uh, exposure, right? Cause if, if we talk, I know we talk about it a lot, but it, you know, the only reason Ark Nova is where it is because of the exposure of a critic and they were giving the review, right? And you see that Arc Nova just got big hype and then people see that and then it's at the top of the hotness list and all those games get more attention. It kind of creates this positive feedback loop of yeah. attention creates new attention, which creates more new attention and the game keeps rising. And then you sell millions of copies and your company is able to flourish while some great, fantastic indie game, no one is reviewing or giving attention to, right? That's just, that's how the world works in any, any industry. But I would say reviews matter to a, to a degree as far as exposure of games, because some of these board game companies, they live and die project to project, right? The, they're even this most recent Kickstarter that's uh, being released right now, earth, which is kind of in the vein of a a terraforming Mars arc Nova, I guess, type of style where it's kind of nature theme and you're building engines and tableaus, but Um, The reviews, the Ice Tower, highly rated and reviewed it. At least nines, nine and a half, tens across the board. It's at the top of Board Game Geeks uh, list. They recently put it in their video for best art covers of all time in a new video they did. So, like, exposure and reviews like that do matter. So, if people are falsely hating it on it or overhyping it because they have an identity attached to it, it does matter, I guess. I just
1: feel like there's so much, and it's the same thing with the video game industry, the movie industry, whatever it is. Like... I feel personally, cause I don't put a whole lot of stock in reviews. Like I enjoy reading about other people's thoughts or listening to podcasts and hearing takes, but like, I'm just going to base my experience based off of if the game looks interesting to me or if there's something about it that I'm, I may like, right. I think reviews help me find things to look at, right. Yeah. Like listening to a podcast, I might hear about a game that I had never heard of like monster crunch. And then I'm like, this game sounds like the greatest thing ever. So I, I need to play it. Right. Um, but then the opinions of people who are talking about the game might not sway if I like it or not. I don't know. I, I feel like I might be the minority in that. I feel like a lot of people very much get caught up in where something's ranked or if it's popular or not. And I guess yeah. I just don't care. Well, I mean,
2: I think Brian, we've talked about a lot about beautiful games that we got because they looked really cool and they just been absolute duds. And then there are games that just didn't look interesting at all, but someone else brought it and we wouldn't have played it ourselves until someone brought it to us. and like, wow, this is great. Mm -hmm. And so, and also there's the monetary cost of a lot of these games too. And so I kind of gravitate to board game reviewers that have been consistent in in games that I've liked. And so
1: I do have to say with a caveat that I'm probably the biggest like YOLO. I'm going to send it on something as evidenced by the now four, four chip theory games that I own. I've just been all in. I had Hoffa delivered yesterday. So um, I, I can't stop Matthew. I have a problem. Rose tinted, yes. rose tinted. I think I've spent over a thousand dollars on chip theory games in the last six months.
0: And so, what is like, what's the cost per hour here?
1: I've gotten
2: we're, we're approaching kingdom death monster territory of like, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. how much play what are you I've getting spent per a thousand?
1: Dollar? I've spent over 20 hours at least playing chip theory games.
0: That's so, that's not a lot.
1: <laughs> so, what, is that, what does that equate to? math I, I can't do math at this 50 dollars an, an hour an hour right but but i've barely scratched the surface on these games boys there's unlimited amount of content i can get i probably spent more than 20 hours to be honest
0: Anyways, the hours on elden ring have just gone through the roof i've t- talk <laughs> about getting your money's worth my goodness yep yep when yep. are we going to see the board game was, was there a board game Elden there League? was there was wasn't there yep oh yeah yep. the
2: same way speaking of uh video games coming to board games uh, they've announced um, probably one of the biggest online kind of battle arena games outside of Fortnite is Apex Legends, um, which is apparently going to be coming to board game form. It has one of the yeah, largest. That, that like, is
0: going to be very interesting. Yeah, it has out one there. of the
2: like largest consecutive like player base bases out there right now. It's like it's it's just insane. Apparently, it's going to be a, um, it's team. a tactical team versus team miniatures yeah. game
1: for two to four players,
2: which. That right there, sign me up. Regardless of the, IP. we're already yeah. gonna
1: have Mythic Battles, Matthew. I don't. I
0: need you to not look at and, this game and Guardians of Atlantis too. Oh, I'm interested to see. I just feel like Apex, you know, or even a lot of these battle royale games are just they're so um, like structured, and they have such a strong identity of like your bomb rushing into a place and just trying to scoop up whatever the heck you can in that moment and kill people. I just don't know that that can translate to a board game very well. well. I I mean, I am. I imagine it's something being similar to gardens of
2: Atlantis and agree, but being faster, more focused on hitting each other for combat and leveling up and gaining items in a battle map and stuff like that. Tactical positioning. Um, because I guess that's one frustration you and I both had with Guardians of Atlantis. It just felt a lot slower moving in the game yeah, versus yeah. taking like big, like, wow, just advanced movements and actions and combat stuff. Um, that The Guardians is a slower tactical, methodical game where I feel like this would be a, a faster, shorter, kind of just go in there and hit them hard type game. Yeah. But, well, speaking of other games we've been playing, John, you, I think you've played it once before. Um, but you had mentioned to me the other day that you wanted to try out Empires of the North. Yeah,
1: Imperial Settlers. Imperial
2: Settlers, Empires of the North again. It's been I think you would played it once before, but it had mm-hmm. been, been quite a while ago. Um, I think I'm the only one else in the group has, who has anything positive to say about this game. Uh, now, granted, I don't think this is the the deepest of games, but I do think it is a quick, we probably mm-hmm. played in, what, 20, 30 minutes, yeah. a quick two to three player game where you get to have fun with your own unique puzzle that isn't super interactive in the fact that like people are just going to ruin your strategy or plans to a certain degree right
1: yeah very multiplayer solitaire but yeah it's a cute game it was it was fun to kind of explore i feel like it's a game that maybe i'd play it a handful of times to to see most of the different factions you can be and then move on right i don't there's not a lot that made me want to go back and replay the same faction um but it was a unique little puzzle for sure this
0: is one that i feel like i am just in the global minority on where I, you know, the, it's very um, multiplayer solitaire. And whenever I play it, I just feel like I am just like that deck. I feel like that deck is like pre-constructed to do exactly what it's supposed to do. And I get to make like very little decisions on it. Yeah. I, I mean, each each game.
2: faction deck is, is Constructed the same way of like a key forge type deal to where it has overarching theme or overarching system. Like there is a faction where they're bankers and they're all about putting resources on cars to get better value out of it. That is, if you're not at least engaging in some degree in that, you're not going to win. My faction was all about spending resources to go and trade on different distant islands and getting fish. If I wasn't doing that, I probably wasn't going to win. And so they have overarching themes, but there's in, in each faction, there are a couple different ways you can go about Doing that, It's not a huge, great diversity. Like, you're probably not going to, you're not going to have two people sit down and just play like, wow, those are completely different games. They're going to have a vast similarities, but, you know, there are different cards that you can prioritize and focus because um, you can't play every card in yep. it, right? And you have to, certain cards are going to come into your system sooner rather than later. So, some cards are better earlier game. Some cards are better later game. Either getting resources or resource conversion to points. So, there is a little bit of that timing, but you're right. There is an overarching kind of thing but i would say the same thing in like a game with unmatched right those are pre-constructed decks for those characters right and those characters those are a lot more interactive i I agree right and i probably the game could have a little bit more interaction in like the worker uh essentially the worker placement spots on the board but i can see why a lot of people love this there's a i mean there's a scaling of difficulty too for the the different factions of anywhere from a one to a ten or a two to a ten um and there's a ton of content spanning from everything from like Egyptian pharaohs to barbarians and vikings type stuff to Asian cultures all South American cultures I think too as like there's a Roman cultures Roman civilizations as well so there's there's so much variety and even if you go through and you play seven different factions over a period right. of time you could probably cycle back through there's probably close to 20 15 to 20 factions of it yeah uh, but it's funny it has a really interactive art very lighthearted art and you get to build a little little ecosystem
1: it's honestly like i'm assuming you could play the solitaire too but Uh, yeah yeah i'm pretty sure there's literally would be like no difference playing the solitaire versus playing with another person like there's there's zero interaction in this game outside of who puts their ship on this track first so for distant shore it was like i would play it as like a 20 minute 30 minute filler um, oh yeah, definitely it doesn't take feeling. that long to set up either, though, because you literally pull out that resource tray, you put the little action wheel in the middle, pull pick your deck, color, and then you shuffle your deck and go. So, like, it's nice that the setup time is quick for a game that is as light as it and is. If you
2: have a spouse that that does like lighter games, but you know, it's it's a very engaging. It's not a scary kind of approach. It's very simple, straightforward iconography and text, um, and it's something that you can share together. But if you have a, a spouse or a partner, or whoever that doesn't like super confrontational games. Um, then I think it's a really great choice that you can have that kind of shared experience and like, look what I did, look what you did. And, you know, you still have a winner and a loser, right? You can still compete, but it doesn't feel like it's me against you as much. Yeah. So well, I think I'm this is a great, I had to
1: check Matthew on his, uh, his harvesting uh, yeah. a couple times. I there looked is, over and he's so got like you, 16 fish and a yeah, bunch of stone. When you do a
2: harvest action, you harvest one card and in my mind. I was harvesting all of my cards. So every time I look
1: up after taking this action like three times and he's got like 10 fish and eight stone. And I'm like, Matthew, what hey, am I, what are you, what are you doing? Well, I even there? said to
2: John, it's like, John, something I like, I feel like this is not fair. Like, I don't know how you beat me right now. Um, And then you're, you're only supposed to see one card. So I had right. to go back and correct it. But well, I really, I would, if we were making a list right now of, I know we kind of missed Valentine's day, but of a two player for a couple type game, um i think this would be a great Yeah, the arts inviting it's yeah you know, it's very whimsical light artwork they'd stuff. have to
1: get past the initial like con because some of them aren't that intuitive in the sense of like the the combos you want to build right there's different like archetypes and that so you'd, you'd have to be familiar with games i wouldn't just like buy this
0: oh if this you, wasn't be like if you've never
2: played
1: anything yeah. yeah but it was enjoyable for sure
0: all right well speaking of different asymmetric abilities and factions why don't we segue into our main topic? Um, and this was one that I kind of came up with. And to be honest, I had to kind of get the boys on board a little we bit. We had to see we your yeah. vision. We had
1: to arrive. We, we yeah. got here what it's, it eight thirty. We got here at six 30. So we've been, yeah, we've you know, been we've been discussing for longer than we've been recording.
0: Yeah. Um, but really what I wanted to do here, you know, we, we like a lot of games with asymmetric abilities Mm -hmm. Um, and I just wanted to have like a discussion on like when, when one of those games comes out, what, what, you know, when you are, when you've got your hands on the pile, the other night we were playing Terra Mystica and they've got like 47 abilities or whatever, and you're going through the stack, what is like catching your eye and like what kind of play styles, um, do you gravitate towards? So that's kind of what we're going over here.
2: Yeah. In my mind, when I made my list of like, factions these are like if if the aliens were coming down uh you know you had to play one game to save your life play one game to save humanity we're going to play this x game what faction are you picking what what character are you picking what overpowered efficient um thing are you doing so this is kind of like space jam type type theme i feel like that
1: speaks to like like expand on your philosophy a little bit matthew because we we joked about this a lot when we first got into song of ice and fire that I feel like you have like a, a crippling need to be the most optimal that you can be. And I feel like that plays itself out in like the factions that you pick or the, the styles that you gravitate to. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, given that explanation, right, you, you tend to lean towards uh, the most optimal or yeah. overpower uh, strategies. If it's
0: a, if it's not at the top of the tier list and S tier, it is out.
1: Or the most Full. Like, stars for difficulty. That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. And so in my mind, I, I do probably suffer from equating difficulty to, uh, in complexity to like opportunity to be better. Like in my mind, if a care, if a character or faction is more difficult, it means it has a higher ceiling or it's hard to hit that ceiling, but the ceiling is much higher than yeah. other factions mm-hmm. can hit. And that's what I see in my mind a lot of the times.
0: And um, I'm kind of the opposite where I'm like, well, if it, if it's not complicated, it can't break very easily. And so, (laughs) which is, which is true, right? You just risk reward. Right. And, And, and so I usually try to go for, you know, especially when it comes to like first plays or early plays, I'm like, give me that one star, two star ability. I don't need something super crazy. Uh, I want something simple, straightforward and effective.
1: Yeah. And I feel like when I look at games, I honestly tend to look for something that seems different. Like, and maybe it's convoluted. Maybe it's a little bit more straightforward, but like something that lets me bend the rules a little bit or interact. I think interaction is a big part of like, I want something that's going to let me table talk a little bit or, you know, have something to offer for people and um, maybe just kind of mess around a little bit.
0: So let's, uh, let's go into it and bring up just, so yeah, these are factions and I'll start that, that I just love. They're like, they're like my comfort food faction. So I'm going to start with Scythe. Ooh. And you know what faction it is? Yep. Yep. Polania. And I don't know what it is about this faction, but I, I here's the thing. I feel like I'm not that great at Scythe in general. And I feel like I'm going to lose. And so what I want instead more than winning is just the potential to find something great in those exploration tokens or whatever those are. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're if you're unfamiliar in Scythe, there are exploration tokens kind of all across the board. And Polania is special in that whenever you come across those, instead of like normal, you would only you would draw a card and only get to choose one option. polania you get to choose two. And on these cards, there's usually like like a like a small, medium, and large where one thing gives you like a a free thing. And then the next thing costs a little bit and you you get a little bit more. And then the next thing costs a lot, but you get a lot more. And so usually with these, you can kind of take the free thing and something else. And I just, I love it. I I love running around and getting those. You know, it's sort of like a very straightforward um, goal at the beginning of the game. It's like, oh, well, what do I want to do? I want to run around and get as many of these things as I can. And hopefully they'll give me good stuff. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And I draw one. I'm like, well, especially when we play the advanced cards or whatever, because those can just be sure. or like, what are they called? Fan faction cards. Those can just be wildly hit or miss. Uh, but the, the base ones, usually you get some good stuff. Yeah. And it kind of gives you like a little bit of a boost early on.
1: Right. And that kind of fits in your, like, it's not a complex ability. It's just more.
0: Well, yeah.
2: it doesn't even necessarily, and you would admit too, it doesn't, Lends itself to game progression or winning state, either in the game, but it, it gives you the most At fun. At least factor. not
0: consistently, no. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So that's me. That's all the first right. One. I can Hilaria. go up.
2: So my first one here, and this was like I said, you know, if I if I was putting myself, if I'm John Wick, okay, <laughs> someone's and, killed your dog, and the Russians, the Russians have killed my it's dog. Always the Russians. The Russians just yanked my dog. My, my dead wife left left me. What, what what character in a game would I embody to, like, I'm coming for you. I'm the Baba Yaga now, right? I'm the one you dream of in nightmares, right? I'm the one that comes I'm for you. You are the one who knocks. I am yeah. the one who knocks. Uh, and this, I'm going to <laughs> Unmatched, right? Uh, which uh, I yeah. it's one of those games where whenever I actually start playing, I was like, this is great. Why am I not playing this more? But then it's, it's a game that you easily kind of not think about and you kind of forget and set to the side. Of uh, this character is like, I am taking your lunch money and I'm making you pay. Oh, is it Houdini?
1: It's not Houdini. I remember when I beat you pretty badly. I'm sorry. I'm this gonna...
2: is the character I would go in. I would yoink Houdini with. And this is Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Oh, Sherlock Holmes. I feel Watts. like a match
0: between Houdini and Sherlock would actually be pretty cool to watch. Well, that's is, this is the whole point of why I match is so great. I love talking about match. is such yeah, a fun yeah. game.
2: Which is, don't get me started why I just like MCU characters do not belong in a match at all. I don't think it's the setting. They're like
1: I, MCU characters. That they, they are, are the but I feel line line like ones. it is just a complete, it just. Squirrel girl, Matthew. That's out of left field.
2: I think it just, I lose the, the yeah. uniqueness I, of the game. I actually agree with
0: you on this one. Yeah, right.
2: I love Marvel dice. I think that is that is an awesome place, but it doesn't need to be there. But why Sherlock Holmes and Watson? And This is, again, uh, goes into that idea, concept of complex characters have a high ceiling. It's hard to reach it, but that ceiling can be higher. And Sherlock Holmes <laughs> character is all about your knowledge and intuition of what your opponents are going to do. Uh, this is very much my Lannister play style. There are cards in your deck that allow you to essentially pressure yeah. your opponents in positions, like deduce what, deduce they, have, what yeah. they have, predicting value cards that they have, forcing them to lose things.
1: Yes. I'm sorry. I'm raising my hand because David just texted us. This is like, like he was reading our mind. He texted us a backer kit notification for unmatched adventures by restoration games so everyone you now probably, is
2: this going to be similar to the dice Throne
1: adventures which, all i know is that it's unmatched adventures notify me if you get ready but i feel like the timing is cool but maybe you'll be able wow. to actually take the David. character that you love and save the world matthew
2: and we could do it yeah wow
1: there's is, literally nothing more than a name, but yeah, it's, <laughs>
2: that's all it is on this,
1: on this link here.
0: Well, uh, Breaking news. It's you breaking heard news. it here. First. Literally <laughs>
2: David's ears were burning fingers yeah. on the pulse. Um, But yeah. And so this is a character that you win or you win big or you lose big. And those yep. are, those are your pretty much your only two options. You have two different characters. You have Sherlock and then Watson as a, as a sidekick. So you can have some positioning strategy. So I just feel like it allows you to have those Big those big brain moments and stuff. You could lose just as big, but it. If like I said, if the Russians had come for my dog and I have to take you're, everything you're they love from Watson. them, can Watson and Holmes and I am yoinking their yeah. chain.
0: Yeah, you know. As a side note, here I continue to think about our unmatched episode where we we bring in new content to that, and I thought of we were having a discussion the other day, and with I thought those were great ideas. We did with my fascination with Magnus Carlson, the sort of like oh. reigning world ch- chess player. I would love to have a sort of meta unmatched character where you pull out your, your pieces are like a queen, a rook, and like a bishop or something. You have three yeah,
2: pieces because there yeah, are some like, that have like four because like vampire yeah, uh, Dracula has hidden in the three sisters. So, so there are some factions that Robin have a Hood's, lot band like of band of merry men. Yeah. yeah. So he, and so each each piece has its like stacking ability of like its strength. Yeah. And the different cards you play, you can interact with those differently. Yeah. And so I feel like
1: we should, we should develop some fan factions. Yeah. I, I think, I that think it's cool. right
2: for it. I yeah. still think the miss, I think this was one of our magic school best Miss Frizzle as a character for unmatched, I think would just be absolutely bomb. <laughs> that was
1: one of the best episodes. I think this I love podcast that episode. has ever put out.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Un- my unmatched creations. But yeah. yep. Anyways. Um, that's a good one. I think how many are we doing? We're doing like five. Cause I feel like I've got a, a long list here. So well, uh, we can fill it out we'll fill it out. All right. Um, I'm going to go with something that just makes me feel powerful. I like, um, this faction and I'll get to it in a second because I can interact with everybody at the table, kind of bypassing some restrictions over there. And it just creates some table talk. Uh, this is of course the Epic game, twilight Imperium fourth edition. And this oh. is the Emirates of Hakan, or the famous Space Lions okay. that are on the front of the board. So, the Space Lions uh, or the Emirates of H- Hakan uh, all revolve around this trading mechanism in yep. the game. And, right, they have the ability from the very beginning to trade with any player at the table. Um, regardless of if they're next to him, yeah. Um, with some of the expansion, um, so
0: you start the game and they're like, Khajiit has where?" Right, right. You Come start on. the
1: game and you have the ability to already just like refresh people's commodity. You can take the trade action for free, the secondary part of it, and and this faction is like built for me. I feel like and and people may joke, I'm I'm in business, right? So I love talking to people. I love kind of wheeling and dealing. Usually, um, John
2: is not the person you want to talk to. Hey, usually. Hey. Usually it means that you 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 have no job anymore. Come into my office. <laughs> yeah, come to my office, please. Although those Christmas gifts under the tree, you were hoping yeah. to buy for your kids this year, bring Sorry.
0: that box because you're going to need it to pack
2: up.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not quite. But um, this it's mutual beneficial relationships with uh, Hakan. So um, no, I enjoy this faction again. Um, Ti four. There's a different things that your faction will have, right? Different technologies, different ships, etc. But just the general idea from the very start of the game, I can make friends with anybody at the table. I can offer them a little something more, you know, and get a trade that's beneficial for me. And just kind of how it focuses less on the combat or exploration and more on that part of the game um, makes it a faction I really gravitate to. Because I yep. think it just increases the interaction And In an already pretty interactive game, but you kind of break down the barriers that may have been restricting, like who you could really Work with, ally with, yeah, team yeah, yeah. with, um, from the very beginning. So, uh, and if you have the expansion, their hero ability is insane. They get to take a turn and basically all their, um, production costs is zero. So, like, if you build up enough, you get enough trade goods, you can take a massive turn and just like drop down this huge fleet. It's a lot of fun.
0: Hmm. So, my, I'll do my second one. It's kind of along the same lines. I was, I was thinking a little bit about, um, about Twilight Imperium. Obviously, that's a it's a really big game. Yeah, it has lots of very asymmetric uh, factions and stuff. Um, but I went in a slight different direction. I went Game of Thrones, the board mm. game. And- no, you didn't. Huh? No, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, Brady, that was my number two. <gasps> All right, well, let's talk together. about it then. Let's talk about it. So mine is Baratheons, and there's kind of two. We're talking about the
2: board game, area control game.
0: Yeah, yeah, Game of Thrones, the board game. Where okay, not as long as I,
2: I buy some fire miniature Correct, games.
0: yeah. Um, so, Baratheons, and the reason there's a couple reasons for that. So, number one, at least in the base game, they are kind of in the middle, but separated from most of the other factions. And so, you have, like, a solid amount of breathing room at the beginning of the game, yeah. where you kind of know no one is coming to, like, immediately attack you, where in a, with most of the other factions... You are really like gunning for someone and making alliances like right off the bat. Um and so I I think even the last time we played this, I played as the Lannisters who are knocking on the door to the Great Joys. Um, the Grey Joys. And uh and I I just hate that. Like I hate coming out of the gate and being like, all right, well, are we are we enemies are we friends? Are we know? doing it? Yeah. And then the second thing I like about the Baratheons, this kind of has somewhat similar vibes as like the Polania thing, but they start on the Iron Throne. And what you get with the Iron Throne is you break all ties for all of the other tracks. And so you have um, not only like that little extra bit of power and like advantage in the game, a, l- a lot of power you get to go. So you get to go first and you break ties. So everyone kind of is a little bit like, Hey Brady, what, you know what do I have to do to get mm-hmm. you to break ties in my favor. Um, and so, and it's like this sort of extra thing that really doesn't cost any other resources, um, other than like keeping it in the future uh, that you get to do, uh, that you just start the game with. And I, I like having that extra bit of power. Power, yeah. The Iron Throne. So, Matthew, okay. what is yours and why?
2: Well, in in my eyes, there is only one faction to play in,
0: and I believe you cosplayed as this faction
2: one time. I was tricked into cosplaying <laughs> as this faction. But not just this faction. There's one card in this faction's deck. Um, and we all know that when we're playing an efficiency game, a game where there's a limited actions, limited turns, if someone is taking more actions, more turns, and faster than you are, they're going to beat you, right? Yeah. And there is one of the most powerful cards in the entire game that belongs to House Tyrell. And that is the good Sir Loras Tyrell. Because uh, the, the premise of A Song of Ice and Fire is that everyone... No, a Song of Ice and Fire. Of uh, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. the board game, is that everyone places down these order tokens face down on each section that they control.
0: Very they, they flip like it
2: over. That. They resolve those actions, right? But then there's very rarely an opportunity to chain actions or do actions simultaneously, or to to force movement and back to back, because right, because the new area I went in through combat,
0: there's no new order token there for me to do anything yeah. there right away. And there's that consequently uh, prevents you from doing some sort of like surprise attack too, because you kind of. You kind of have to get up to the opponent's gates right. and then attack them. So people don't usually have very deep
2: defenses. Yeah, yeah. So Loris Tyrell, his ability says that if you are attacking, attacking, and win the combat, you take that march order, which is the combat order, and then you get to pick it up and replace it immediately, and in, in the new place you took over, which would then allow you to, to subsequently resolve a second yeah. combat. Back-to-back. Yeah. Back. Very, that, very strong card. Very mm-hmm. strong. a huge swing. Game-winning card. It can be, if you continent. do it at the right time, in the right position, it can be a game-winning thing. Now, it could also spread you too thin. People retaliate. Yeah. Uh, but it can allow you to literally take control of two, to, two or three, like, castles of victory points if you time it correctly between all your armies in the one round and you can set yourself up for yeah. winning position so the reason i like this more than just in the context of the game uh but it's to, for playstyle play style is that it, it requires again that high risk high reward high ceiling for potential like this this card play correctly and if you pull it off multiple times in the game can very well win you the game but it's it's also a lot of risk, and that also influences your diplomacy and negotiation with your opponents, because they if they play the game before, they know you have that card mm-hmm. available. They're looking um, out
0: for it, trying to bait it yeah. out. And so,
2: like I, I always love saying, where's the game played?
1: In the
0: mind. Above the table.
2: Above the table, right? And this card allows you to do that uh, to strengthen alliances, or to break them. Uh, but we all know that I never break alliances in any games where we do those. You laugh, yeah, but it's true. That to is the, not
0: true. To the detriment. To you the, have absolutely stabbed all of us in, in the yes, back 100
2: in actual serious like alliance games like this i've never See, He gets to decide which
1: ones are serious yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, if, yeah if we're playing brass we're not an alliance gentlemen right no, 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 no. i can promise you, you i'm not going to uh, take something that's not I, i'll go back on you but that's not like a area control it. alliance game uh but yeah so that's that's mine it's sir Loris Tyrell in game of thrones and that's funny that we've always had had that there for different reasons right mm-hmm. but that again
0: Different play styles.
2: It plays it goes as my play style, which we, why we love asymmetric games because it allows uh individual player identity to really shine more than other games. Yeah. All right, John, hit us with your number two.
1: All right. Well, um, we all love root, right? It's, it's the questionable. Uh, no, <laughs> debatable. It's not our number. The number one game. Oh yeah, it's not. It should be. It is my number one game. It should be the number one game on the discussion phase. Top 50, but uh, I digress. Um, there is a specific faction root that um, may not even be my like f- favorite faction to play. Always, like, I wouldn't want to sit down and play this faction every time I play root. But I think the game is always better when they are in it, and that is the otters. I think the otters are uh, my well, they are my favorite root faction um, because I think they add such a unique element to the game in a way to use. Resources that you wouldn't have otherwise, right? If you're playing without the otters, anything that's in your supply is not really being used for anything, right? Some factions recruit faster, some, you know, don't, et cetera. But um, you are able to spend those warriors that you have in your reserve to buy additional cards, to, um, you know, get better movement over water or to even hire mercenaries, right? So there's a lot of flexibility you can have. And I think it almost accelerates some of the game a little bit with more cards being available to players. Yeah, but, um, it picks it up. It does. And, and I just, I think they're also just a unique mechanic, right? The idea that they can take other people's resources and then they could spend them for powerful actions or they can kind of keep them and slowly through attrition kind of build up and then cash in later. But it's kind of like a push pull of, you know, you want to buy, 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 but then you need to know when to stop buying so that they don't get too powerful, but um, they can come back to bite you because maybe uh, you're the Woodland Alliance and you gave them to your... Meeples, but you don't have a lot of people in your supply, so you have to kind of balance. Am I going to actually run out of presents on the board because I've I've given too much to uh, the otters? They're very sneaky. Very much a dance with the devil. Yeah, but it's it's enjoyable, right? And it's it's like I I guess the trading theme here, the interaction theme. I enjoy things that open up how the table interacts with one another because you'll hear, oh, you can't you can't buy like Matthew. You are not going to buy another card from him, but you know that it's a great card for Matthew. But you're just trying to get him not to give the otters some extra resources because one, you don't want the otters to have the resources, but also you don't want your opponent to have the card that they want. Or it's always nice when you've got a little thing going with the otters and you're like, you're the the eerie or the cat, someone who has a lot of uh, different warriors in your supply. And you're like, I got you. I'll yeah. be your I'll be your sugar daddy. You know,
2: you know what game you're describing to a T, John, it's a Dereal Confluence. The Confluence. Confluence. That, that is, that is the game right there. And that is why I love it. Regardless of the theme and all that. City of confluence?
1: Yes. Yeah, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, too. It,
2: okay, good. I maybe it's just Brady that's the hater at the table. But Man, then literally that's, it's that's like it's like it's like I can look over there and I say, do not trade with John. Do not do it. You you will lose. I won't trade with you anymore. Don't <laughs> you do it. And it's just like Empty this. Threats, it, but it's so it's almost kind of like um Don't like, trade that. It gives me it cube. gives me that good. Brady, don't bring, don't be your up young. Up on that. But I it do? almost like that good yeah, critters one. vibe, right? Cause you're literally making all these threats, but then what do you actually do with the power that you have for your trades? All right. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a diversion, but that's a good pick.
1: No, I thought about uh, trying to find a faction in the uh confluence, but I couldn't yeah. spell or pronounce Announce any them? of them. Yeah, so, yeah. um, fant- I, that is oh. a fantastic game. I think, except you know what I hate? And I saw it on BGG today. People that have to spell out city confluence trading in. Bar, whatever it is in the Elysian Quadrant. I'm like, well, excuse me, let say me sit Citeria my tea. Confluence. I'm like, you got your little, little pinky, pinky out. Up. But um, anyways, I digress. Uh, the Otters from Root. Um, I honestly can't remember the River folk, Uh What's there? Is that the River Folk? I honestly yeah. don't know them other than the Otters. Mm, yeah. I believe it's the Riverfolk.
0: Yep. Um, All right, okay. Brady. So my next one is a bit of a notorious pick amongst Boom. the group um but you give me don't you say it generic fantasy uh and and like different sort of role play characters you can pick and what am i picking <laughs> the rogue. the stealth assassin yep the rogue the sneaky sneakster the digging in your pockets <laughs> the money yeah the my, <laughs> the guy who can make his way through the streets all that kind of stuff so my pick here is kind of gloomhaven and oathsworn um, there's the, what is it? The Cole? I think. The cur. Cur, the cur. Oh, man, that's my game. I don't even remember. And then you have. Mind Thief. The Mind Thief and the. Scoundrel. The Scoundrel. Depart. Yeah. Both, both of those. Did he steal one? I would easily reach for. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I really don't know where this comes from. It really more than anything has to do I can tell you, Brady,
2: it starts with an S and ends with the elfish, (laughs) very elfish selfish of you.
0: (laughs) Oh no. So I think what we were talking about this not that long ago and it comes, it goes way back to 2007 when a game came out called Assassin's Creed. And Mm. that game blew my mind. I I was just head over heels in love with that game. I loved sneaking through the crowd and, um like pickpocketing people and stuff and that has just stuck with me through all of the like role-playing games I always want to be the person even in like sort of a role playing DD thing I don't necessarily want to be the person who's like going out there and swinging a giant axe I want to be the person you go to when you have to like talk to a shady person in the street to get information because like I'm the one who knows the streets and can like pickpocket or stealth or like any of that kind of stuff Uh, I love that
2: archetype. This is true. Whenever we sit down at these games uh, that has anything like what he was describing, he says, just give me this character. I don't care what they do. Just give me this. Give me the one that has loot
1: too.
0: Yeah. I want to be grabbing coins the whole time. That's why we we
1: purposefully stacked that uh, battle gold deck to make sure Brady got the ones that said no coins. Yes. Well, and
0: that was the thing. uh, You know, slight spoilers ahead, but I could not handle playing the berserker in gloomhaven because it was basically like run up and get hit a million times and you can you know maybe do damage i i one of the most powerful me. classes
1: in the game yeah because I mean, like, they had to do damage instead of yes, collect loot.
0: and i was like i can't do this i can't just like run hey, up
1: at least you're self-aware brady yes, i respect thank that thank
2: you but it really is a an- And to me, the Berserker is a faction that I was going to play next. It's where you are willing to, like, sacrifice your health at certain times to influence how much damage y'all put you doing, but it's dancing on the edge.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's great design.
0: It was good design. It just was not not designed design. It wasn't Brady. Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. That's why we're making these lists, right? Um, All right. So my number three, and I never admit this while I'm playing it because I don't want to add fuel to the fire, (laughs) Um, But I believe this is a absolutely broken character, uh, a special asymmetric ability, uh, unique ability, special power in this game. I never highlighted it. I don't think I've ever admitted it until now because I don't want people (laughs) to take it from me. But like if I had my choice, I would pick this every single time. Matthew, we know. Can I guess? Full
1: cap. Can
2: I guess? Wait, what's the
0: game?
1: The Mermaids in Terra Mystica. No.
2: Oh, okay. No. This is Marco Polo 2, service of the con.
0: Marco Polo 2. Oh, it's the Jade girl. I,
2: I, I, they don't have names but I called her the jade queen The, the, jade, oh, yeah. queen. the jade everyone queen. knows
1: it's the best one
2: this one I think is I if, if, if I could pick from any of them you say Matthew you pick first save your life and the children down the road you know there's kids trapped on the school bus there's a train coming down you gotta save their lives it's like give me the jade queen I'll get the job done <laughs> I was like I'm standing before the president of the United States like Chuck Norris and said yeah. I'll get it done sir
0: and I, you know, that one is like subtly good. I feel like oh, because it, it is.
2: It is a self fulfilling prophecy. This character. Yeah, yeah. So it's, essentially, it the, is like an.
0: It is like the efficiency
2: one. Oh yeah. Like so two, two. this this fills into why I am drawn to this is efficiency, right? I don't know. I just I I enjoy like if I feel like I'm playing sub optimally, I just I it robs some of the joy, right? Because even if it's not a matter of losing, I know John gives me a lot of flack for if I'm if I don't win a game or if I'm losing, I don't enjoy the game, but it feels if I'm playing suboptimal, like if I'm playing poorly, right? I don't enjoy, like, our games of Terra Mystica. Like, I don't remember the last time I won a game, but I feel like, man, I'm, I'm pushing my engine to the max, right? And I get reward and enjoyment out of that. So I enjoy pushing for that efficiency. Um, And this character does it. And so the general premise, and we've talked about Marco Polo before, but it's all about gaining resources, fulfilling contracts, dice worker placements for acquiring different things. Yeah. And You're, doing
0: it as efficiently as possible.
2: And yeah, this is this is as efficient as possible because there is a hard end to the game. And so how much can you get done and have the right resources with the right contracts? And essentially what her ability does, it gives you some money every income phase. Um, but the main thing is every time you fulfill a contract, regardless of what rewards you get from the contract, it gives you a jade and jade is essentially kind of like the most powerful resource in the game as well as i think can be used as a wild for some other resources so it's very flexible helps mm-hmm. you fulfill other contracts a lot easier but it also her special power is every time you get a jade you get a victory point so you complete a quest that quest gives you victory points and resources and then it also gives you a jade you get to use that Jade, and that Jade also counts for an additional victory point. Yeah. And any other way you get... sometimes and you Jade,
0: get Yeah, Jade is a good resource to have in the game in general. Yeah, so you're you kind of wanting to
2: you, get it. You can get Jade from the market. You can get Jade from other contracts, yeah. different ways. And so like not only is it scoring every time you get this great resource, but now you can use that great resource to feed into other new contracts. And it's just like this endless kind yeah. of feedback loop just from that one character alone. Now, there are a lot of great characters in the game, but I feel mm-hmm. like that one is most consistently I can... I can optimize that one. Yeah. Uh, I actually agree with time. you.
0: The one that, that I, I, that comes to my mind is like the broken one is the, like travel you can guide. travel for free essentially. And like that one in my mind is so broken, but it can be hit or miss depending on w- locations on the board. Yeah. Locations on the board. And like you, where, whether contracts have like the free travel thing, cause you can travel for free, but you can only do it once per turn. Um, and so, yeah, that one can be hit or miss. The jade one kind of always slaps, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good pick, Matthew. Yep. You're not going to get me today, Russians.
1: <laughs> well, Matthew is all into efficiency. What would you guys consider the exact opposite of efficiency?
2: Inefficiency.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, like, big, either either really good or really bad. Inconsistent. Could we use inconsistent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you Would you high trade highs low high highs and low lows for, like, steady, medium?
2: mediocre mediocrity no
1: okay so you want if i want the big highs or the big lows uh and i found a character that embodies this in an unsuspecting game a game about how you can most efficiently and effectively route an island of invaders this is spirit island that we're talking about here and i think my after playing all of the different spirits in spirit island you've played all of them oh yeah really i think don't believe it I'll show you the log plays on my BG. You've stats played out. every single faction. You've also played their alternate alternate versions as well. I haven't played all of the um, different things, but there's like 20 spirits. I've played all of them. Okay. I used to play this a lot solo, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I didn't uh, know we we're talking count. about solo plays. Count. I'm a solo gamer, bro. I know. I know. Um, you, you
2: have to be. You're financially invested in being a solo gamer at this point.
1: I am. And I'm happy about it. So this uh, spirit is grinning trickster, stirs up trouble. So this—that's the full name of it. This is the full name of the spirit. Now I will
2: say we never talk about this spirit line. The names for their characters are 10 out of 10, fantastic. Okay. Okay.
1: So um, this spirit is all about. What is the name again? Grinning Trickster stirs up trouble.
0: It sounds like the chapter of a kid's book or something. (laughs) It's grinning trickster stirs Um, up trouble. But
1: this innate ability that it has is literally called Let's See What Happens. And what it does is you discard minor powers from the deck until you get one that targets a land. And then you get to just use that card on... A, a land that you're targeting. Okay, So it's and like so, uh, hocus pocus. And, exactly. You're uh, like, I'm going to flip the card. I'm going to see what happens. And you can actually uh, upgrade it to, so you can actually take the card into your hand. Um, so really what I like about this is that a, you get to see more cards in the game, which is always fun, but it's just unique. Cause you have those moments where you're like, I don't know what to do with this land. Maybe I'll get something. You'll flip and you'll get like defend ten, and you'll you'll save it, or you'll get something that's kind of useless, and you add a blight, and then it spreads, and then you're like, well, that was rough. But <laughs> for as many times as it's good, you know, I feel like it's more good than bad. Um, but it's just enjoyable. It's fun in a game that's so heads down, thinky. It gives you those moments of like, oh, you know, I could use this. Last ditch to, effort, yeah. But you could try to get some more value or not. And then some of its like special rules let you. kind of work with the strife mechanic, which is new in the jagged earth. So you can put, um, you know, tokens underneath um, invaders. And then he's got different things that will make the invaders actually attack other invaders as opposed to just blocking damage. So I think it's very unique, right? It doesn't directly harm the invaders. It just kind of makes random things happen and then sees what, you know, you can do with that. And it's just very fun, very enjoyable. Um, Obviously it's not the most effective and it's not going to be the most efficient, but I think this is the most fun spirit um that I've played in the game. And it's like played.
0: it's about the potential, which is right. what I love about the Polania strategy. Right. It's like it's I like, don't know exactly what's gonna happen, but I love the potential. It's like you're
1: playing an Exodia deck in Yu-Gi-Oh! and you're like, I could top deck the head of Exodia right now yeah. and flip it over, or it could be a dud. A, a dud. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's do one more. Does yeah. everybody feel feeling good about that? Can okay. I get
2: well, if we're only going to do one more, can I just give an honorable mention then? Sure, sure. Before I do my final one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so no, one I had on my turn? list was also turn? Spirit Island. Okay. But just real quick, yeah, so I was it. off of this, and to me, difficulty and efficiency are fun, John. <laughs> they are fun, and to me, this is the Omega Spirit in Spirit Island. Is this you know? one is Omega where the complexity
1: level. is question marks, and it just goes through the uh, through the roof. Okay. Right. Um. Because to me, you know, I, there was.
2: There was something that this is probably ingrained in me as a child. There was some like little animated show or something like that, where or a little animated movie where it, it got the, got the concept. Don't work harder, work smarter. And the concept of like this guy was just trying to like pull these heavy heavy load of some supplies down a road, and someone who was smarter, they put it on a, on a log, and they just let the river take them right. And that kind of stuck in my mind. I can't remember where it's from, um, so I'm like work smarter, not harder. And so this spirit is Starlight seeks its form. Wow. Wow. And it literally is just question mark, the character. Cause essentially every character has their innate abilities, what they can do. You get to create that. You get to create the combination. You get to create the focus. Do you want this to be more defensive character an offensive character, a utility support character? So How do you mix is and like, match what those? Is it,
0: the, the tarnished or whatever on Elden ring. He's like the naked guy with the club. You get to build them out exactly how, how you want to. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so when you take your presence, and you put them on your board, you are unlocking different unique abilities and powers or uh, different elements that you want. You can, I think you can slot in uh, also to the elements that you can, you can acquire. You get to customize what elements you want the spirit to to work with. Yeah. Um, so I was just going to be a quick shout out of if I was going to pick one, one spirit to, to do it all and to fit any situation circumstance. And that this one literally has my brain hurting a little bit. Next to the like the one of fracture time and space where you had to like you have your yeah,
1: own yeah, you card have time deck tokens and you got to go back and forth. That one's crazy too. But those those are my picks.
0: All right, so my last one um, is sort of like a, a collection of a, of a couple, but I'm gonna choose one to sort of um, encapsulate them all, and that is uh, in Zulkan mm. You guys remember the X tab? Tribe this,
2: is this the one where you can move your token from different? No, Gears? see, I don't like that one. Oh it's too my complicated. See, see, that, that almost made my list.
1: That's the big brand. I only
0: can pick five, and so, yeah. so that, that one, that's that's on the top. That one's too complicated. So mine is just simple and sweet. It is start with an extra bonus tile. And I know that this sounds super lame. But you can get an extra worker out of that or extra food. an extra You can get an extra ton of stuff. And so, you know, normally you only choose one or you only choose, like, two two. This one gives you a third, and does it make food cheaper or something too, or is all it is is the tile? I'm I'm pretty sure all it is is the tile. Oh, okay, but and and so you might be thinking because there's a, there are a lot of like broken abilities in this in this game, um, it, but in a game where like efficiency is the key, and you start to um, what do you call it? I you snowball, yeah, when you start with a bigger snowball. The snowball at the end gets a lot bigger. You know what I'm saying? Like right. we're we're talking about like compounding interest. So instead of, you know, starting with a hundred dollars, I'm starting with a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's And the that, same concept. in like Great
2: Western Trail, where um, they probably didn't realize when they designed it, but the benefit of, at the start of the game to take five extra coins and lose two or three victory points was well worth it. Those yeah. five coins over the course of the entire game is going to well outweigh the negative two or three points you took
0: Yeah, exactly. on. They
2: ended up nerfing it a little bit. You, it's worth more negative points and a little less money, but same concept.
0: Yeah, and so this is um, kind of encapsulates a, a few different ones. Another one that kind of gives me the same vibes is the um, the chaos magicians mm. in Terra Mystica, where you get instead of getting one of the bonus tiles you get two of them and i i just love and it's you know similar to the polania thing instead of getting one you get two um, i just love starting with extra stuff that gives yeah. me that like extra head start in the game and then i kind of like especially with this one the Terra Mystica one i started the beginning of the game and then i don't need any extra brain space to think about my asymmetric ability it's like i got it out of the way i got a bunch of extra stuff and now i'm just playing the game just like normal yeah um and, you know, it's incredibly simple, but effective. And and uh, it gives you such a huge head start over, like, yeah. the other players who are just starting normally. Yeah.
2: All right. So, my final official one. Um, this is, again, efficiency. Because uh, what if I could tell you that, hey, there's a goal we have to meet to win the game, but you just get to do it sooner and easier. And to me, not picking this asymmetric special power in this game i think just oh, I it is just insanity it it just it's just so good um are we going to africa matthew we down in the plains of africa oh, no. in in zimbabwe maybe in the great zimbabwe john so this is zango zango the lord of you probably
0: pronounce that wrong so
2: it's x a n g o zango Xing Xiong, I don't know. I'm really just bad go, at pronouncing pronouncing. But this is the Lord of Drummers, and the main concept in the Great Zimbabwe, which is it just it just makes my heart happy thinking about this game. That's how much I love it. Is that everyone has an in-game goal of like 20 victory points, but on your turn you can pick a special powered god with just a game-breaking special ability. However, the cost of gaining that god. And this great ability that will get your engine going and scoring faster is that your victory requirement to win the game. Now it's no longer 20, it's 23, it's 27, it's 25. There are other things in the game that also increase that victory requirement to win the game. What Zongo, the Lord of Drummers, does, he decreases your victory. He has no special abilities, powers whatsoever. He does not uh, help your engine. He doesn't give you more resources, doesn't give you your economy going faster. He just. Re- decreases your victory requirement by 2 which is 10%. So you get to win the game theoretically 10% faster than any of the other players, which can be huge. And apparently when I looked this up he also has these ability so I guess you kind of call it a power. If multiple players hit their victory point requirement at the same time in a round, he would actually break the ties. And so I don't I don't think that's on his card but I want to look this up a little bit. That's what it said. So that's an additional bonus in the game. And so you literally have to say, you know what? I'm not going to get any powers. I think that my ability to play this game and my strategy is efficient enough that without any extra help, I can mm-hmm. do it faster and quicker uh and
0: it. So, yeah. it so actually your favorite asymm- asymmetric ability is no ability at all. Is it's not, like it
1: makes the win condition come fast. Brady, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you yeah. gave me an example
2: the other day and it is living in my head rent-free about some anime character who is a fighter. You want to explain this?
0: Yeah, I think this was Naruto, if you get the reference. I can't even think of, like, I was not very into Naruto, but I watched maybe the first season or something. And there was a character who was like a karate kid type of thing. And, and you know, he was just like this melee fighter when all these other characters had great fighter. awesome abilities. And so they had some sort of tournament at the end of the season. And... Um, and this kid is like making his way through the ranks and beating everybody. And then they get to the last guy who's like, yeah, the championship, his name is like the sand, he's up against like the sand guy and his like sensei was like, it's time to take off the weights. And then he says, it is time. It's time. Yeah. Take the weights off it's revealed sort of that homie through the entire tournament has been wearing like weights on his legs this whole time. That to, would like, keep anyone else from not fighting at all. Yeah, yeah. But he's
2: so powerful uh, that in his weakened form, he's still one of the yeah. best fighters. And then he's like, That's it is time. He drops a robe and all of his weights fall off uh, and he unleashes yeah. like super saiyan abilities. <laughs> yeah. That is what I feel like yeah. when I take Zongo, the Lord of Drummers, Brady. <laughs> time he to
0: goes, down, the way. goes down
1: <laughs> from 20 to 18. <laughs> take and
2: he is free. I am free. Because yeah. a- yeah. the thing is honestly because like john if you take My a, a if, gone. Gone. <laughs> i need
0: because to because if you anyway. take if you
2: take an, a, a ability that gives you plus five to your requirement and i take one that gives me minus two it's a seven point swing right, right? which is huge in the in the in percentage wise in the game
1: and then you feel like you're the little guy trying to beat up uh on all the people that got these fancy abilities and run them out uh, out of town but
2: yeah um, and so this is like give it give i will choose this one every single time if i can now Granted, we've only played a couple times, so there may be honestly better options. But right now, like when I think of powerful abilities, I feel like, man, I've got the efficiency upper hand, and I can have my way with the game. And both time I've I picked them, I've won. Uh, now, again, as we play the game more, new strategies and metas will arrive. Because there's a lot of you know interplay between characters and shared infrastructure that makes a big difference more than just the characters. But choosing when I win the game is is huge, and you literally get to do that with this character. Um, and so I will, so far, if I, next time we play, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to go for it, which I know now that I say it,
0: you yahoos are going to yoink them from me.
1: Absolutely. Turn one.
0: <laughs> well, joke's on you. We're in, I'm never playing Grades again. <laughs> <Brady. Got> him. <laughs>
1: oh man. Um, anyways, um, great. It's probably a good pick. There's some really oh, cool, unique it's, powers it's in so there. Fantastic. I'm thinking of the one where when people pay coins to travel along networks, you get them all like things like that. That's, that's a good stuff um well i have five more on my list that we didn't get to you only get one john um, but I, i'm going to do an honorable mention because you got an honorable mention uh, and i it's an honorable mention because i have only played half of one of this game so dune the original dune has a faction the Bene Gesserit faction the Bene g's yeah the coolest thing i think in this game is that they get to at the very start of the game write down what player on what turn and in what way they think the game is going to end, right? So who's going to win on what turn and in which of the few win conditions. And if you it, all saw
2: my jaw right if, now, if they this. get it right,
1: they win instead. Oh, that is their ability. Oh and they're, they're an underpowered Why we not faction play this game for the most part, but they literally at the beginning of the game, just say, I think that Brady, who's playing the, the empire, right? The emperor, he's going to win on turn seven with a stronghold victory. And if that happens they get to flip over their piece of paper and be like actually could you imagine i how authentic- orchestrated that whole thing and I actually win because so they
2: can they can make because this whole Benjader Benjader is mm-hmm. like they're manipulating bloodlines yeah. for millennia, yep. and so you could purposely set up another player yes. to win at a certain time. See, yes. so oh my god! So um, imagine the mind oh games of going. Oh Oh, Matthew,
0: oh. are you going <laughs> are to win you? this round? And Matthew's like, "Well, I can't now." <laughs> so,
1: so that is <laughs> my. Th- th- uh, that is probably the most epic moment if that actually gets yeah. pulled off. That's my honorable mention. My Shoot. my second honorable mention would be a bu- There's a bunch of chip theory stuff that I won't. Because we need to find this game, ready. that. But um, I'm going to go with uh, a recent game that was introduced to us, Guards of Atlantis 2. And there was a character in this game that I was vibing with. Wasp the I'm I to say the bee lady. So um, what I really enjoyed, and again, this kind of goes into how I can kind of manipulate how the game would typically work to my advantage through um, the unique ability she has. She gets to interact with kind of spaces on the board and, other players in ways that other characters just don't right so she's got these like telekinetic powers so one of her abilities literally lets you telekinesis somebody from a couple spaces away right next to you and then another one kind of shuts down abilities in an aoe adjacent to you you kind of create a shield that people that are inside of it when you use it can't move out and people that are outside of it can't move in. So she had this whole spatial element that I just didn't find in other characters cards, right? A lot of them were more attack focused or, you know, defense focused or maybe maneuverability. But I felt like she got to manipulate the way people were set up on the board and being able to attack through different locations, right? And I was setting different things out on the board, getting ready to, um, you know, flip to a different spot and, and yoink, Matthew if you move to this little area and and then attack him or kind of shield off certain areas of the board so um, I really enjoyed the flexibility that this character gave again this is a highly asymmetric game so every character in the game does something different Um, but out of all the characters I looked at this one just stuck out with me because they allowed me to manipulate kind of the board and and it feels like you're cheating, you know, when you get to do things that you get to tell people like, Oh, you can't do that. Or, you know, you get Gosh, a control I, hate that. I and I'm not, that's, that's not, the
0: Lannisters like, Oh, sorry. You can't that's do more
1: Matthew than me. But like being able to like yoink somebody, right? Like usually, Oh, I'm safe. I know they can't move to me because they don't have yeah. the movement to get over here. Being able to be like, actually I can yoink you right over that wall right next to me. And, um, I don't know. It's just very fun, um, very exciting, very unique. So um, there are a few other honorable mentions I had there, you know, Terra Mystica factions, other things like that, but maybe we'll have to continue the the chat in our discord. But um, I think it's pretty clear that all of us just love asymmetry. I think um, if I see a new game come out that has asymmetric factions or powers or abilities, I'm always at least drawn to it because I think it helps drive both the replayability and it helps you find an identity in a game more than, um, others, right? Like we all know, like when we play root, Brady is the birds, right? Like he is the eerie, like that is your faction. And like, um, I don't know. I just enjoy, I feel like it makes the games a little more personal when you can find a faction or, um, like a play style that you adapt to. And it's a little bit more streamlined than a game like magic where you have to like build the archetype yourself, or you kind of have to, put in the work to put the pieces together. I kind of like the idea of here's the, here's the box, right. That you can be in. How far can you take it? Yeah. And I also like
0: people love like people. I don't think people love to admit this, but people love being put in boxes and being put in those identities. I think one of the reasons why Hogwarts legacy has been so wildly successful is because like our generation of, of people have been longing to like like go to Hogwarts as Claw, that maybe. house, you know, since we have read the books as kids and like that sense of like belonging and identity. And like, these are my people, this is my, you know, my faction It like runs deep in just like humanity in general. So yeah.
1: I enjoy it. And I also like the skill expression that can come out with different people playing the same faction, maybe differently to mm-hmm. um, like the way that, uh, Jacob might play the battle otters, might be different than me, you know, playing uh, more merchant style otters, you know, but it's, it's just fun. I enjoy asymmetry in games.
2: Otters. Yeah. And some of us like playing the same yes. characters over and over and over and over and over and over, and then and over, over again. the same way. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe that's just a me thing. It is a you thing. Cause <laughs> I like, we recently started like you all have now got me addicted to Overwatch yep. too. Yeah.
0: And you play the same character literally every single match.
2: And it doesn't my, matter. And my enjoyment continues to go higher and higher and higher. (laughs) And I don't know what it is. Like some people like John loves diversity when we play a lot of those board games or video games, Mm -hmm. smash and stuff where there's different characters, John, like something fresh,
1: something new. Yeah.
2: And, and me, it's all about how can you take that character and be the best with it? Mm -hmm. Take it to its very limits. take yourself to your limits. Did when you, do I get to a point where I feel like I've mastered it? Like where I, now I can kind of move on to another thing. Same thing with, uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, uh was song by some fire ministers. Game, Lannisters nonstop right. until okay. I feel like I've got a pretty great, good mastering. Now I'm going to the next faction. Yeah. Can do it. About to send it on the Starks boys. You know, another two, three hundred dollars. I think when two we to get to the Star- can, okay.
1: So you guys have both spent. Uh, I, guess I shouldn't make this argument because you're going to say, well, we've played it a lot more. So we, we have played yes. a lot of hours. Right. Like
2: art, oh, I won't even make Mr. Mr. $1,000 into, and I will I say I, I have argument. spent a lot
0: of money, but I got almost everything of mine except the very early second hand. I will
2: look for second hand for Starks. I haven't bought any of my stuff secondhand yet. Um, um, before, but it's, I.
0: Right. The thing about like these miniatures games is, is you know, there's always people getting in, but there's always people getting out, yep. especially with something as Suckers, old as. Suckers is what this. we call them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're all, you can never get full price for something like this. So they're always wanting to offload it. The only thing. Bray, but, didn't you have a friend try to
2: sell you his used copy of, of some miniatures for the retail price recently?
0: <laughs> the, not the retail <laughs> price. The. I sold that to him
1: for like $50 under miniature market, which is already another $50 under retail.
0: Yeah. So I got the friend price. He the definitely price. got the friend
1: price. I gave that away. I sold that for half of what I paid for it. You got your money back. I, I, half of what and I paid I for it. And I have added to it. Since then. You yeah. know what they say though, Brady, when it comes to all these people have different, you know, feelings about asymmetric powers. They like different strategies. They like different things in games, but it's just different strokes. For different folks. For different folks. That's right. That's right.
2: Yeah, <laughs> y'all find a way to make put in that episode. These guys are badgering me. We
1: we just get you, Matthew. You can't uh, you can't help it. Can't help it.
2: Yeah. Um. But any new uh, games coming down the pipe uh, pipeline? I know uh, we talked about the new big box for Cyclades the other week. John, is this yep. one we can
1: Cyclades. talk? to is this one we that. can talk you into buying said, this one. I heard Brady said he's going to buy it. So I know, but um,
2: Brady's not going to buy it if he can talk you into buying it. No, I'm, I'm not going to buy it. I already it. So have I don't a have, copy of Cyclades. I don't have the budget because
1: the Elder Scrolls um, from Chip 3 Games is coming out at the end of March. So I'm excited for that. Um, <laughs> as for other of, Kickstarter oh projects, goodness. I just, um, I'm, I'm hoping some of my stuff delivers eventually. Um,
2: Hope is a fickle thing.
1: But I yeah. honestly adopted Brady. So I left, I was in a monolith games discord that I would chat in a decent amount. I would check their pay. Honestly, at this point, if it comes by Christmas, I'll be happy, but it's not going to. So.
0: Of yeah. The uh, mythic battles won't come by christmas this year who knows Shoot. i i really have taken just such a, a step back from from kickstarter and crowdfunding that, well i feel
2: like there hasn't been any big things on there that's really enticed me here recently
0: yeah i mean other than the the castles of burgundy thing that was huge um yeah that's just like you're taking just such a gamble on the game itself and like, who knows when these things are delivering
1: right. now? Yeah. Remember, Matthew, you were talking about Dwellings of Eldervale, right? What did you pay for that whole all-in big box pre-COVID, right? Before One, all the... A buck 20? Yeah, but it's, it's crazy how much cost have increased, too. It yeah, makes like that... it less appealing, right? Because you know it's going to cost you more, it's gonna take and you know it's going to take years, you longer. Where yeah. before...
2: You like used... I thought that was a lot of money then for that game, but it's a huge box, a ton of content, ton mm-hmm. of components, game trays, miniatures art all that kind of stuff and i got that for like 124 i got everything mice, like the sound bases yeah and, you and like to now would be, be able like, to
0: get games like within a year um you know from the kickstarter now that is just like a, a far-flung fantasy at, the, at this point
2: yeah but we are still on um on the watch for the witcher old world um we're still on the, <laughs> watch, for on that. the watch for that yeah for that should should be getting close should be getting close to us all right. Any any other news or anything exciting coming down the pipeline?
1: Not that I can think of. We
2: may potentially getting be getting into a league for Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, yeah. Right, we may have the tournament back so at the you first of heard December enough
0: about that. Just get we'll, right. We'll
2: start a well, listen Discord if anyone chat about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited about that. Yep.
0: Yeah, Additionally,
1: we're hoping to get back into the swing of our, um, campaign night. Campaign so I'll answers. be traveling this week. It's my one year wedding anniversary, which is crazy. Um, wow. so I'll miss game night on, on Monday, but when we get back, we're hoping to do like a little, Wait, Oat you're sworn. missing
0: game night for your wedding anniversary. I know.
1: Believe it oh, or not. Word. But um, we're hoping to get People back in the swing of commitment, Matthew. Yeah, <laughs> the swing of our campaign nights, alternating. Oh, we're they, probably yeah, be like, you know what they oh say, bros before. before. Is my mic holy on, like, matrimony? <laughs> yeah, there was there was a time, um, and I'd love to hear some of y'all's best ones in the in the Discord. Maybe um, when I missed out on game night for something with my fiance at the time, and they had so many meeples before steeples. Um, There's like dudes on a map. <laughs> do <before. say> <laughs> before something in your lap keep it um yeah it was uh we were we roasted this guy ones. for we'll an entire to day
2: straight of like p- potentially putting the boys before the girls
1: uh, i'll have to find some of them and put them put them out there they, some of those were, were pretty they were pretty a riot i mean they would be a good little like gag uh, gift card or something like that you know for yeah. the board
0: gamers in your life
2: yeah. All right. Well, I think it's going to be this that's it for this week's episode. Uh let but let us know what you think um about what are some of your most like broken powers, broken factions, broken abilities. Broken Matthew, they just need to have fun. Yeah. I want to hear about your <laughs> in my mind, if it's not broken, it ain't fun.
0: Yeah, I want right? to hear about your Fox clan from the rising like, sun. My goodness. That, that
2: that that was on my short list. Listen, no one remembers the smooth car ride. They always remember the car ride where that wheel is broken and they're they're smelling gas and leaks right those are the memories they remember i want i want the experience to be broken yeah. um but yeah some of your powerful let's say the aliens were coming down you had one game for your life to save humanity what faction in a game would you say Poor this faction is? that
0: you just think is more fun
2: no that's that's not an option but yeah jump on the discord and let us know your thoughts on that but that's going to be with it for this week's episode as always i'm Matthew. i'm brady
1: and i'm john and this has been the, the discussion, discussion phase, phase.
2: Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can also join the discussion in the Discord link below and let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks everybody.